Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Matthew Donald, author of the new novel, Tesla Knots. He's also the author of four books in the Megazoic series. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your latest novel, Tesla Knots, how would you describe the novel? It's a... uh I guess not really steampunk. It's, I, I mean, it is, it's, it's, steampunk is a good way to kind of get yourself knowing what you're getting into, but it's more like a diesel punk or even like volt punk sort of. It takes place in the 1920s, and it's a uh, historical sci-fi about uh, this guy whose father was lost in World War I, but he wasn't ca- called dead. He was presumed missing, and so he was... So this kid, Raymond, is wondering what happened to him, and then after snooping around his office he found summons to a uh secret organization led by nikola tesla and so he gets roped into this organization called the tesla knots which use uh advanced uh technology called volt tech uh to help the world in the shadows and they've been helping since the war and there's other factions with uh this volt tech and it's all hidden like it's completely cladenstein you know or it's completely just hidden you know Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I'm, he gets roped along this adventure while at the same time trying to figure out if it helps him find his father. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Tesla Knots? Uh, I think it started, I came up with the idea like 10 years ago in like 2011 or so. Like, um, and it was just learning more about Nikola Tesla and, you know, seeing all the cool stuff that he has done and all the stuff he could have done had he gotten funding. And like, I really like the idea of there being an organization that he ran called Tesla Knots. Or so I don't know why the name Knots uh, came in. I was just thinking maybe like Terranauts or Psychonauts or something like, something like that. That was like oh, I could do Tesla Knots. Um, mm-hmm. But the, and actually, I think in 2011, I think that was before uh, um, Elon Musk creates. Oh no, SpaceX was a thing. But like, I don't think when nowadays when I say Tesla Knots, people tend to think. Oh, is it like about Elon Musk and is it about SpaceX? Sure. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> um, but I can understand the confusion. Uh, sure. But one thing I also wanted to do instead, because like the idea of Nikola Tesla getting his funding and creating these crazy contraptions or whatever, that's actually an d- idea that's been done a lot. And so I was like, what is my take on it? And my take on it is treating this as if it's actual history, but just hidden. So even though this is technically alternate history, it's not treated as such. It's treated as all, like all the events of history actually happened, but just in different ways. And, and there's a hidden side of it. Can you tell us about your writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Of course. Um, so I've always wanted to be a writer. Like when I was six years old, I there was this contest at my local school uh, in Texas where I was like, you had to complete the sentence, it would be great if, and then have a little project after it, like either like an art project or some sort of thing. And I just said, it would be great if I were an author. And I ha- wrote like, uh, would you write the words? Yes, I would. Would you do il- illustrations? Yes, I could. Would you like all this? Yes, I would. And it ends with like, will you start soon? Yes, I should. And that ended up winning first place. And I still have that trophy over there on my shelf. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and ever since then, I've just been kind of, uh, writing my own little things. I've never really gotten into fan fiction as much as a lot of... Because I know a lot of writers start with fan fiction. I did a little, but mostly I did 
original fake fiction. I just took ideas that interested me, like my Megazoic books. That was an idea I came up with when I was like 12. And I just kept building off of it as I went, as I got older. Um, and I was like, well, I like dinosaurs and I like sci-fi. Hmm. As my fingers symbolically interlock. Like, and, and... And can you tell us a little bit about that series? Kind of like the overarching world? Um, of course. Uh, so... Uh, like Tesla Knots, again, it's like it's treated like this was actual prehistory in this case, but just a side of it we didn't know. So, like, it takes place in the Cretaceous period, and so there's no humans, it's all dinosaurs, but they have a sci fi style civilization that we never knew about. And part of the inspiration for that was one, that's awesome, you know, imagining dinosaurs with laser guns and other stuff. Uh, but two, the idea, like, I- I've seen things about how if humans disappeared, they would. The, all the evidence of all of our civilization will be, will be gone within like a hundred thousand years. Like all our buildings, all our technology. If we just disappeared, it would all be gone. So who's to say something like that didn't happen in the past too? So sure. that's an interesting concept. Yeah. What is it about steampunk or diesel punk that interests you as a setting as genre? I think it's just like I, I really like futuristic technology, but with some sort of like twist. You know, I don't want it just a pure sci-fi or like a pure sort of thing like that. I like, and I really like that time period. Like, there's so many different um, historical events around that time that are just so fascinating, and it would be interesting. I always thought it'd be interesting to just add that kind of technological side to them that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And plus, like, I really like seeing how people came up with crazy ideas or came up with like technological concepts when the time was like limited, when the tech was limited at the time. So uh, like, for example, like I really like seeing like as much as I like modern movies with CGI and I really think it's CGI is a wonderful tool. I really like seeing how they used uh, effects back before they used CGI, like what they had to do in order to make these effects. I think that's very interesting. Sure. So, and that's kind of the same sort of thing with this. It's like, how did they communicate across long distances? How did they make vehicles that did this? How did they make science that did that? But using the technology at the time, like that's always very fascinating to me. Like there's a quote from Tesla. Uh, I think it's real. I don't know. It sounds like one of those things that could be disproven on Snopes, but it sounds like something he would say where in 1925, he described a device that was basically the smartphone where it was like, "In, in the future, we will be able to talk to each other with screens, port- with portable screens that we could see and hear them as if they're right there in front of us. And it'll be on a device that we can fit in the, our breast pocket. Yep. And that sounds like an iPhone. <laughs> it's, yeah, basically. And like, apparently that's a quote from him in 1925. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, so. what's your writing process when you're working on a novel? Do you outline the novel extensively or do you just kind of dive into the narrative and see where it takes you? Uh, a little bit of both, because, like, I, uh, for a lot of times, like, I plan the beginning and I plan the end. How I get to that end can vary a lot, though. Like, I always have a set path in mind, like, and this is true of, like, individual books and also whole series. Like, for my Megazoic books, there's four of them and it's completed. When I started the first book, I already knew how that first book would end, and I also already knew how the last book would end, but I didn't know... How, how I was going to get there quite yet. So I gave myself four books to get there. And I had, I had ideas. I had little ideas for the major events like that would happen like point by point. But I didn't... They, it was malleable. I could, I could be like, okay, maybe I could take this element of that and work it in this way. 
And then, and then, so like the middle, I can kind of play around with like where I'm going and what I'm doing, all these little things I use, and I and I feel safe doing so because I already know where I'm going. Sure. So, so that's that's kind of my writing process. Like, and it's the same with Tesla knots. Like, uh, I'm currently working on the sequel, uh, which has a name that right now, but I'm not going to say it just yet. But because uh, I'm I'm also kind of workshopping the name, uh, but it's gonna. It, I'm planning this to be a five book series. And I already know how book five is going to end and also kind of where I'm going. But I also, you know, am open to like, you know, updating little things and like tweaking little things that go on. If I, if I'm writing, I'm like, oh, this could be cool. I could fit it in this way. You know, I think it's good to have a plan, but it's also good to be flexible with that plan. Sure. Sure. And you said you're working on book two now. Yes. Yes, I am. So what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Uh, persistence, perseverance is the most important thing. There are so many people who like start a book or like don't even start a book, like write a couple sentences or even just stare at a blank page and like, I can't do it. And fair enough. Like it takes me a long time, like uh, particularly at the beginning, like for my Megazoic books, like it took me about a year and a half to write that first book. Each sequel took me like six months because at that point I was into it, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like knowing where I was going. You just got to power through that beginning and it's going and yeah, it's probably going to suck at first, but that's what editing's for. <laughs> like treat your first draft as if no one but you is ever going to see it. So just get your ideas down and keep writing and also like. You know, come up with your own ideas and come up with your own sort of stuff, but don't get too hung up on like, is this good or is this or is this idea good? I mean, like, yeah, obviously you want your ideas to be good, but at the same time, was it Stephen King, I think, that said the only hard and fast rules about writing is make it grammatically correct. <laughs> Everything else, <laughs> you can do what you want. Like, it's it's there's no rules. I mean, obviously, whether or not you whether or not people like what you've got, if you break a bunch of rules, people probably won't like it, but you're not doing anything wrong. So just get, don't get hung up on what you, what people, what you think people expect you to write, write what you want to write and just get that down. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Uh, Well, let's see. I really like Michael Crichton's works. Like, I really like Jurassic Park and The Lost World. I mean, obviously, I like dinosaurs. But also, I read Timeline recently, and that was really good. Um, I also am a big fan of young adult fantasy and sci-fi, more so than adult fa- I mean, like, as much like Michael Crichton, that's kind of an exception to me. Like, usually, I find young adult books uh, much more fun to me. Like, adult books are kind of drier, which, again, mm-hmm. that's a style. People like that, I, and that's fine. But I like the wonder that young adult books tend to have. And so, uh, a series I really like... Well, an author I really like is T.A. Barron. He, he's uh, from Colorado, same as I am. So I've actually met him. Uh, I've, that's pretty cool. I have a book with his signature on it that's like, Dear Matt, may you continue to write your own magical stories. Your fellow writer, T.A. Barron. I'm like, that's so cool. Uh, but yeah, he did like Lost Years of Merlin and The Great Tree of Avalon and some other stuff. And I really, I really like his style. Also, you know, this is such a, a cliched like, oh, you're such a, I don't know what the term <laughs> You're just like such a casual thing to say, but of course I like Harry Potter. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason those books sold so well. Like, sure. Like, they, they appeal to a lot of people. Uh, At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. Well, is it? It's my understanding that you've recorded some podcasts of your own. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about those? Uh, so I have two podcasts. Well, one currently ongoing. The other one is currently on indefinite hiatus. That one's mm-hmm. the Ritwit. Uh, it's a writing podcast. We say we're two twits talk about writing. Is what we say, and uh, it's about 150 episodes. It's currently, like I said, on indefinite hiatus, but. Uh, uh, we'll we'll go back to it at some point. It was just uh, life got in the way where I just really needed to take a break. Sure. Um, from it, but I get 150 episodes. There's a lot of content there, and like each episode, like I and my best friend and fellow writer, uh, we uh, talk about writing tips and tricks, like things like just to help people, like if if they need some help with certain ideas. And again, it's like you can break these rules if you want to. These or these aren't really rules. It's just like what we suggest, and like. And what I particularly like about the show is each episode opens up with like a skit that like usually I write, but sometimes my friend uh, writes them too. He prefers when I write them though, to be fair. he I just let him write some to make it fair. And it's like a skit that's usually either advertising some fake writing product, like like we have like a writer's block laxative that we sell. <laughs> <laughs> like to, And like we have like or other stuff like that, or like something that's just like a fun sort of just a creative skits where it's like, we have the one inch writer who writes one inch stories. You know, he writes using <laughs> the quill. This quill is of the eyelash of a spider or something. And then it's just, and then it, it just, it's silly stuff like that. And what's uh, your other the, podcast? The other podcast is called Paleo Bites. And it's called such because one, each episode's like 20 minutes long, usually at most, usually 30 minutes at most. Uh, and two, because it makes it sound like it's about the paleo diet, <laughs> but it's actually about paleontology and prehistoric animals. At uh, each episode, I, in a rotating series of guest co-hosts, talk about and rate a different genus of prehistoric animal. So like if it's like a dinosaur, if it's like a mammoth, or if it's like an insect or something. And I, I explain its basic stats uh, to my co-host. I explain a little bit about the, the science behind it, but it's also very informal and very silly. We make a lot of bad jokes and like uh at the end we rate the animal one out of 65 million <laughs> just <laughs> just like hey this stegosaurus is pretty good 50 million <laughs> like <laughs> like and then it's just and, and like it's meant to like some i've gotten some criticism from some folks being like this isn't a very serious paleontological show and i'm like well yeah that's why it's called paleo bites it's meant to introduce people to these creatures and then like also 
if they want to learn more about them, they can learn it from more official stuff. And also, I've, I I love paleontology, and I've listened to a lot of paleontology podcasts, and they are dry as hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, I I can tell that these paleontologists are trying, but they have zero charisma. Like, and they're just like. So, you know, if you look here, the caudal vertebrae, you know, is, it stretches back this many. And, like, if you see the fenestra, like, ah! Like, yeah. like I want some, I mean, again, I, it's fascinating. But if you're not in, interested in the in the subject matter already, it's going to be boring to listen to. So that's why I wanted to create something that was kind of more lively, more silly, like, but also educational. So That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels and your podcast? Uh, so I have a website, MatthewDonaldCreator.com. Um, that's where you can find a lot of my stuff. You can just Google Matthew Donald Creator if you want, or just type it in, you know, URL style. But uh, and that has a link to like where you can find all my books and links to my podcast, links to my social media, like um, um, Instagram, and I'm I'm even on TikTok. That actually seems to be my favorite. The 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 algorithm on TikTok seems to really like me for some reason because my the, the, my views there get. <laughs> My, my my videos there get way more views than anywhere else and like anything like Twitter I get like zero and pretty much zero engagement in. Facebook I get a little, uh Instagram I get a little, but like TikTok for some whatever reason, that's the one the algorithm likes for me. So I've been trying to uh promote myself there more often. Um, that's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Matthew Donald, author of the new novel, Tesla Knots. He's also the author, as we discussed, of the four books in the Megazoic series. The books are on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Matthew, thanks for doing this interview. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. Tesla Nuts by Matthew Donald. Chapter 7. The electrocracy dictates that only those that can keep its secrets are worthy of its power, Agnes Cobblewood informed the new recruits, pacing back and forth with her arms behind her back. I know this better than anyone, as I've kept them since its infancy. A woman in her late 70s, one might think Cobblewood would be the last person to seriously lead a group of recruits in a secret government organization. Yet her appearance betrayed a more rugged and hardy demeanor, and her deep blue eyes shone with the vigor of someone a quarter of her age. She wore overalls and a top that exposed her surprisingly well-toned and muscular arms, and her voluminous gray hair swept past her shoulders. It seemed that age did little to hold her back. And if God willed it, she would work for the Tesselots till her early hundreds. I've been in military and government organizations long before any of you were twinkles in your father's eyes, Cobblewood told the recruits. I've dealt with Confederate, Spanish, German, Russian, and Prussian soldiers over the years, either fighting them directly or tending to those wounded by them. The technology may have changed, and the terms of engagement may have changed, but the mission has stayed the same. Protect the peace and keep the power from evil. With the monumental power of vault nowhere is this mission more important than with the Teslanauts and with the Electrocracy. Raymond stood alongside two dozen other recruits, listening to Cobblewood's orientation. Each recruit instructed to keep their arms behind their back and remain silent unless addressed. After handing in their tests, everyone was giving mashing jackets and flat caps with the seal of the Teslanauts. Or at least, that's what Raymond was told. In truth, he couldn't see any seal or markings or any codes at all in their apparel, and all the hats looked different from one another anyways. How could they bear any Tesselnaut seal? It must have been that signature from the prod again. Now before we get started, I will allow you to ask a few questions, Cobblewood stated. I request intelligent questions only, if you don't mind. 
A couple of seconds of awkward silence passed, with the new recruits nervously shuffling while trying to remain composed. What kind of questions would she deem intelligent or important enough? They wanted to make a good first impression for their agency. Eventually, one of the agents, a muscular Spanish lad with a strong jaw, decided to bite the bullet. What's the electrocracy? the agent asked. Off to a great start, Cobblewood grumbled, which prompted a few laughs. Raymond faked a chuckle himself, but in truth he had no idea what the electrocracy was either, even though he had heard the name quite a bit since this all started. He welcomed an explanation. The electrocracy is a collection of government agencies across the world, specializing in Fult Tech, Cobblewood explained. The Teslanauts are not the only organization out there that specializes in this technology, but they were the first. Many other countries have their own organizations, and some, like us Americans, have more than one. Down in the south, the Proton Rangers were founded just last year. While England has the Royal Shock Brigade, France has the Volt Knights, Russia has the Watt Cossacks, China has the Shandianlong, and so on. Nikola Tesla and George Westinghouse founded the Tesla Knots in 1904, and their incredible technology sparked these other organizations to form and follow their lead. Four years later, the presence of Volt Tech could not be ignored, and with the overall unrest of the European powers, it was decided that an overarching administration was needed to keep all the organizations in line. Thus, the electrocracy was founded by Tesla, Westinghouse, Roosevelt, and many others in 1908 to keep the technology in check and maintain the secret. Why? Another recruit demanded. A young Chinese woman, she stood alongside her brother on the opposite end of the crown from Raymond. These machines are all so marvelous, and this technology can have many applications in society. How does the world benefit from hiding it all? Were you asleep the last decade? You've seen the horrific capabilities of your fellow man. As Voltec has the power to create, so too it has the power to destroy. And until civilization can be trusted with such power, we must keep it hidden and fight those who use it for ill will. You there! It took a couple of seconds for Raymond to realize Cobblewood pointed right at him, although his eyes looked back and forth with the other recruits on their sides to see if any of them thought they were the addressed instead. Yes, ma'am? He finally asks, his voice low and wary. You got any older brothers who served during the war? Uh, no, I'm an only child. Then what good are you now? My father worked here with the Teslanauts, or at least uh, that's what I learned a couple days ago. Unless he stood at the front lines in Strasbourg and witnessed the bodies and shrapnel flying about with his own eyes, that means nothing to me. The point I'm trying to convey is that the world is not ready for mass consumption of Voltec. We knew it before the war, and we sure as hell knew it after. Consider it a privilege that we get to use it to aid the world in the shadows. Now, that's enough ignorant questions from the lot of you. Let's continue our orientation, shall we? Cobblewood held out her hand and showed off her right wrist, which everyone now realized had a metallic band on it. See this? This is an ignition band, and every Teslanaut has one. All Teslanaut gadgets, vehicles, and weapons require incredible amounts of electricity, which is generated from power plants across the world and transmitted from hundreds of electric towers constructed all over by the electrocracy. The power is alternating current, and it can wirelessly send energy to anything within range with a proper receiver. These bands, though, are what initially activate the equipment, which keeps it from being hijacked by the enemy, something I'm sure you will all come to appreciate. We'll fashion these bands for each of you, and then we can commence equipment training for you, sorry lots. We won't let you down, Raymond shouted. A couple of other recruits laughed at his enthusiasm. The day is far from over, Calvert, Cobblewood sighed, causing Raymond to wince. He certainly did not expect her to already know his name. You still have plenty of chances.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.